0: Ultimately it's, I mentioned this to you yesterday, I see my role as being a a dealer of confidence. So the data I give should give our product teams confidence for the decisions they make. I think where I see the the value of listening to the user is the end of the day, if you are worrying about the bottom line, it is provided for you by the user. So if you take a step back from the bottom line and how the bottom line arrives, it's the user. So ultimately, I think it's that element of listen more to your user, regardless of what you're worried about. If you're worried about the bottom line, if you're worried about where you fit in the market, if you're worried about whether this is a niche or whether it's useful, you can learn all of those things from a user telling you a story that, hey, I'm here and I need this right now, and it works for me in these ways, or it doesn't work for me in these ways. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of see the user's voice and story is behind all of those quant metrics in some way.
1: If you're not engaged across all levels of the organization yeah. in in what your product is, is kind of seeking to achieve, you're just giving people your best guess at what it is. And it's gonna be at best an ill-fitting thing for, you know, that solves a problem you think is there. And at worst, it's gonna kind of miss the mark entirely. Um, and I, it, it's an assumption that every product team is always speaking to their their audience and their and you know their end users and their customers but it doesn't always happen and I you know I can't stress the value of it enough
2: very warm welcome to the understanding users podcast brought to you by researchable ux it's great to have you with me i'm your host mike green I'm a freelance user research lead and digital consultant based in the UK. Over the coming weeks, I'm going to be chatting to various digital experts who I've had the pleasure of working with in recent years. They're from various disciplines, including user research, UX design, development and product management, and they'll even be a digital business owner or two. I'll be talking to them about how they came to be in their current roles, what they've learned along the way, and what advice they may have for others getting into the field. These are intended to be relaxed informal chats with professionals who are keen to share their experiences. So sit back and enjoy. In the second episode recorded in person at UXDX 2022 in Dublin, I chat in depth with six conference attendees from a broad spectrum of organisations to get them to reflect on the event and hear more about why they came and what they will take away from it. We also discuss the challenges and opportunities they face in their own companies and consider what, in their view, the future holds for user experience as a discipline. Within this short episode, there isn't time to cover all the fantastic talks and workshops at UXDX2022, but it should give you a flavour of what was on offer and what those who attended took away from the event. Many thanks to my guests, Vanessa Sauer from Booking.com, Mike Brown from Reed, Dua Gattani from Square, Noah Levin from Figma, AJ King from Accardo and Ashley May from Trainline. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the episode.
3: Yes. Um, hi, I'm Vanessa. Um, I'm currently working for Booking.com as a UX researcher in Amsterdam.
4: I'm Mike. I'm Mike Brown. I'm head of design for read.co.uk, one of the UK's largest, um, sort of longest-running and largest
1: recruitment services
5: currently right now i'm a senior ux researcher at, at square specifically square banking
1: so my name is Ashley may i'm a lead ux designer at trainline
2: so i'm talking now to noah levin from figma hi noah welcome to the show hi thanks for having me so i'm talking now to aj king a user researcher hi aj welcome to the show thanks mike good to be here and in terms of uh, UXDX itself is this your
4: first time yes yeah first time here i've been um very um, keen and enthusiastic reader of their newsletter for quite a while. Um, a colleague put me onto that sort of a couple of years ago and I find that sort of just one of the best ones around. There's always um, a few really good links and stuff that I that I enjoy from that one. So they've kind of been on my radar and then um, sort of looking at the conferences and thought, yeah, this would be a great one, great one to attend. So, um, so yeah, yeah, luckily I've organised to be um, speaking in a panel on stage tomorrow, which I'm looking forward to. and was able to sort of
2: to come here and bring a couple of my team, which is great.
3: Yes, first time.
2: And what's brought you to UXDX?
3: Um, I saw UXDX. I really like the website. I'm a big visual person. So I like if websites are built nicely, if they're visually appealing and um, also really liked the agenda, what was happening, the companies that are sponsoring it. Um, And it was honestly, I got to say also in a city that I've never been before. So I was also interested in coming to Dublin. Yes, my first time.
2: Um, and what, what have your reflections been kind of so far?
3: Um, I was
5: excited to attend because to attend from sort of a more international perspective, I'm, I'm sort of in that Silicon Valley uh, space. Right. Uh, so it's really great to see how... Uh, how expansive like this thought is all over the world and it's not just in, in you know in that that tech space of, of san francisco and, and the bay area so and and how great people have kind of made you know sort of strides towards uh pushing for ux all over the world so that's that's what was the like most exciting for part for me being part of it the thing that maybe is a surprise for me is that how similar the experience is for everyone, no matter where they are and the similar challenges we all face in in, in our companies. Um, And so I think that's maybe, although we're all in different areas and maybe that's a surprise for me is that, you know, that experience is pretty, is, is pretty similar.
6: It's been really interesting because there's such a wide range of people here in different kind of UX function capacities, uh, you know, from uh, older institutions and banks to um, security companies to, uh, you know, to, to SaaS products. There's really like quite the gamut. Um, but yet, of course, like design brings all of us together and have, you know, you know there's more in common than I think we realize sometimes and what we're doing, even if our, the cultures of the companies can be different uh, and the kinds of uh, maybe exact tangible problems every day. But but the nature of what we do is you know always
1: surprisingly similar. If there's one sort of takeaway for you from this event, what would it be? I think I really just enjoyed Kevin's talk, Kevin Hawkins from uh, Glovo. I think the sheer importance of charisma and telling a story, like having... Having a, a main thread that you can kind of tell within your dialogue, um, but being able to to pivot and engage and uh, just enthuse people. Mm. There's there's so much value in in delivery and in telling a story, um, and it's definitely going to inform you know the way that I approach these things from now on. But um, yeah, the key takeaway for me was is probably yeah engaging more networking more being open to learning as well I think like I've met people from every level here from you know like chief product officers chief technology officers down to you know junior researchers and I think seeing that willingness to learn and be open Mm. to new ideas is is kind of crucial to developing I guess as people but also in our professions Mm. so I'm hoping to kind of continue that when I go back and take the energy to kind of stay open and learn more and step down when necessary and and just ask, you know, ask questions that you would perhaps not feel comfortable asking because the answers are always going to, you know, elucidate things and incite new ideas. My first time at UXDX, which is great.
2: And what are your impressions?
0: Uh, It's been brilliant so far. Uh, I mean, the venue's lovely, which always helps. Dublin's a beautiful city. Um, But yeah, overall it's been, I, I really like the mix of, uh, presentations on the main stage some chats and panels on the main stage and then obviously we met yesterday doing uh, a small sort of forum within uh, the wider space and that was it was really nice to kind of get involved because uh, although i guess it was it was your talk uh, we were all part of that and so it felt more community-based than a lot of conferences i've been to
2: what are your key takeaways going to be from from the last couple of days uh so i think
0: for me uh one of the main things is a little bit of comfort more than anything else that actually a lot of the challenges i face day to day and a lot of those issues are things that people in different roles and then other researchers are also feeling in the same sort of way so there's a, a nice sort of community element of uh the the problems aren't just something that we're doing or we're getting wrong like it's it's the industry it's why it's fun to be and it's why it's it's kind of a challenge um, I really like that. And I've had some really good discussions with people around risk and around the fact that as a researcher, you end up with too many insights to action. And so how you then have a conversation with the right people and balance that with business needs and balance it with other like market needs to work out what the right thing to do is next. So mm. I've met some very clever people who've given me some good insight on on those sides of things, which is great.
2: You mentioned you're a UX researcher. Tell me a little bit about kind of the the team you work in, how research is carried out at Booking.com. How do you work day to day?
3: Yeah. So we have um, kind of two main um, departments, I would say. We have uh, one big bulk of researchers sitting more uh, on the product side. Um, I think we have around... 60 to 80, um, don't nail me down on that number, researchers sitting there that are working on the actual product, Booking.com. And then I'm working in the marketing department, which is also new for me. Um, I don't think a lot of UX researchers work uh, in marketing. So um, I'm sitting actually in an insights team where uh, most of my, all of my colleagues are market researchers and, and they're split into qual and quant. And then I'm kind of sitting in the middle. So I'm doing both uh, qualitative and quantitative research um, and basically responsible, trying to be responsible for the whole marketing department of Booking.com.
2: Interesting. And kind of what size of team do you work with?
3: Um, It depends. It depends per project. So, um, I mean, the departments in general that I'm working with are quite large. So it could go up to like 100 people. But then per project, um, I would say until now, I've only been working there for two months, so um, I don't uh, have like a a good estimate. But so far, it's been like per project, like max five people, I would say, that are like the main stakeholders that are working with me on a particular project. Yeah.
4: So at the moment, we're sort of a growing team. I think we're about sort of eight or nine at the moment with a few open roles. Um, And... Essentially, we, we sort of hand, like uh, I manage a team of product designers, digital designers, and researchers, um, and essentially looking after everything on the um, product side. So, we have product designers in each of our product teams. So, product design is kind of the main focus, but also digital designers working with our marketing teams, which means we can really own um, the designs and the experience end to end, which is really exciting because that's something that has been harder to achieve at previous organizations I've worked in. And then we have researchers who work with and support uh, our product teams but um, their role in terms of our sort of product product research is really to kind of support and facilitate because our product teams the product designers working with the product teams the idea is they should be self-sufficient for their research. They conduct all their own research. They can do everything there. The researchers are there to kind of help them, and then the researchers themselves will own some sort of larger pieces of research, which might span sort of multiple products or too long a time frame to give to one of the product teams.
2: So it sounds like a fairly digitally mature organisation in terms of kind of UX.
4: Well, I think I mean I've been there for sort of a year and a half, and really coming in, it's been um, it's been a really nice experience because I'd say it was quite immature before I came in but we've been able to affect a lot of change in a short short period of time Um, and it's been sort of like we've we've affected a lot of change um, and done a lot in that short period of time but I'd say compared to other places it's been it's it's a very open open open-minded culture at Reed Um, people were sort of a lot of things weren't being done the right way but when sort of a clear explanation and sort of argument and case was made to do things the right way, people do tend to listen and change their mind. So right. it's, we've been able to do a lot in a short period of time and it's been relatively frictionless, which is quite nice, so...
5: So we work primarily within like the square banking team and there is a centralized design team that research reports to within there. Um, And like many research teams, the ratios sometimes are not great. So uh, we'll be supporting different product managers. um, So it's never like a one-to-one ratio. So we have to work on prioritizing um, research in uh, with various uh, product managers and various teams um, but for the most part, uh, there is sort of a supportive design and research team. Uh, and obviously we collaborate fairly closely with the designers.
6: I joined Figma about five years ago as the first design manager to lead the design team. And, uh, so currently my role, uh, five years later is still leading the product design and writing part of the org. Um, so about 40 or so folks that build the products that you use hopefully in Figma and FigJam and community and mobile every day.
0: Yeah, so I work in a team, Uh, it's a sort of central function. We have kind of two main aims. In one, we act as kind of consultants out to uh, our internal organization, so for any research needs that they have. And on the other hand, it's our team's responsibility to push UX maturity within the organization as well. So I do a bit of sort of organizational work in that space beyond just UX
1: research. Um, I'm responsible for the uh, the lifetime value team within the UX function, uh, which is obviously getting more customers to convert more, more of the time. Um, and Trainline is, if you don't know, the, uh, the world's leading independent rail and coach booking platform. Um, and our mission is essentially to make booking sustainable travel easier and with better value for as many people as possible. So tell me how your
2: teams are organised. How do you kind of, uh, how does UX evolve within Trainline?
1: So we're we're incredibly lucky that I think we're we're design led within the product function. We've got an amazing culture which comes from from the CPO down. You know, there's a huge value placed on the importance of design and research. Um, and to that end, we have a kind of a collaborative function within the UX team, which includes UX designers, obviously, it includes uh, researchers, it includes our UX copywriters and content experts, because we obviously operate in multiple markets now. And the idea of a localized tone of voice is a, is a huge part of um, making the product more accessible to everybody. And that's that's why we're able to kind of collaborate with research within product teams. So whenever we start a new project, we've got the The kind of the we can we're able to triage the you know the project by mm. being able to sort of make sure the best people are on the job.
2: And what about kind of challenges in your day to day role? What would you say are the kind of challenges facing you and your team as you go forward?
6: Yeah, you know uh, every kind of six months, it's probably a bit of a different job in some ways as a rapidly growing you know company. um and so. You know the challenges we faced when no one was using Figma are very different than when you sort of become the market leader. And a lot of people are looking to you uh, not just to sort of play catch up with existing products, but sort of look to the future of work and kind of have an opinion and perspective on where that should go. And so you know, with each of those phases throughout the company, there's been sort of different you know, challenges in different ways. And you know, now, um, you know, organization's grown a lot. We're, we're almost 900 people in the company now, you know, design org's 40 people. And so, of course, there's all kinds of questions that come up around scale and process and culture, and you know, how do you continue to build uh, great, great products? Uh, and how do you also welcome you know, a diverse range of uh, both perspectives and ways to build products, right? The, the things that FigJam needs as, as a newer product uh, in the last year and a half, could be very different, you know, as a tool that's more up and coming and being adopted left and right from a ton of companies, but it isn't the market leader necessarily in whiteboarding tools, uh, whereas Figma sort of is. And so each of those you know, teams maybe even uh, should have a slightly different process or way they approach their work. And so I think definitely like the two themes that come to mind are scaling um, in terms of the both the processes and, and people and teams, uh, and then also adapting, uh, you know, to to the reality of these different projects having kind of different needs. And so. I think it's just if there's a content thread through the five years, it's definitely how do you adapt to change, how do you know how to work through different environments, a pandemic, and so on. Um, but but either way, that you know there's always something kind of a, a new constraint or a new challenge or a new environment to work in. And so yeah, it, it definitely changes every so often.
3: I think um, a challenge that I've also heard a lot with other UX researchers, um, which there's also a lot of talks here, is to really bring across the value of UX research. So um, UX research is an additional step, and I would say it's still a relatively new step that a lot of companies take. And um, I've also worked in smaller companies before in more startup environment. And then the question often is, like, why would we invest an additional four to five weeks, which is already quite quick to conduct a full scale research? Um yeah, why 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 would we do that? What would that add in the end? And uh, why would we spend time on it? And to kind of convince. There was a talk about it before here as well. Um, how do we convince that the people that are building the product might not know everything about the customer, and maybe not every assumption that you have is true? And how do we get uh, every stakeholder to kind of challenge our yeah challenge our assumptions basically, and then to find out what are the true Uh, the true voices, what are the true, uh, yeah, the true perceptions of our product.
1: Mm. And we
2: both uh, took part earlier on in a a forum where there was a discussion generally about kind of research methodology and kind of sharing research and how to get by into research what were your impressions on kind of what you heard and the challenges that others are facing that, that, you, that you might be facing as well?
3: Yeah, I think we often have uh, similar challenges, whether you're a UX designer or UX researcher. Um, I also have a couple of friends who work in the field and we often share the same struggles. So I think it all comes down to just, um, yeah, building out maybe processes, different ways of working, being somewhat flexible, somebody said of, who's your stakeholder having also the time to like target your storytelling and to just kind of adjust it to yeah to each particular project which is also uh, you said that as well it requires a lot of time so the question is is that is that possible to do um and also just um i really like just working in a team where there is a um, kind of a, a drive and a um, an excitement about research. So um, I struggled in the past with teams that have never heard about UX research and then me trying to convince them of something. I feel like it takes a while. It's mm-hmm. not something that can be done within a couple of weeks. So uh, I find it easier personally, maybe also because I'm still at the beginning of my career to be in a team where... Um, there's already an excitement and an understanding about what is research and how does it help us. But maybe that's something that you get more skilled at to communicate or bring across the longer you work in the field.
2: And what would you say the challenges uh, are for you kind of day to day in your work? Uh, Probably the same for most people.
0: It's about finding the right balance uh, with all of the competing priorities that come in, uh, as a lot of people have, uh, will A test to working out the ROI of research is difficult upfront. So knowing what the right thing to prioritize is over something else is always the biggest challenge. And then you combine that with the even more intangible moving the maturity of the organization on through either bits of training or ways we engage with different members of the product space, the engineering space,
1: all of those things together are thorny as a way to sort of prioritize. Most of the, the challenges that we re, we kind of have is is in understanding the customer needs, to be honest. So right. that's why, you know, working closely with the research team, we get a better understanding of that. The voice of the customer is, it's probably been an off-repeated thing, but it's it's something that's hugely central to the way that we, we kind of operate and the way that we answer the questions we've got. Right. Um, we have obviously a very focused product, you know, the idea is is focused on consumers, it's focused on um, customers who who book daily and, and and habits have changed in the last few years. Of course. And and obviously we're looking to grow the product to meet those needs. Yeah. Um some of the ways in which we've done that is, you know, by driving innovation in uh, more flexible season tickets. Right. Um now that people aren't traveling daily. They don't want to be paying 3,000, 6,000, 7,000 on pounds on an annual gold card yeah. when they can basically just validate one ticket at a time by the middle book, like a carne essentially, uh, and travel with a much more flexible approach. Um, we're kind of always addressing new market needs in that regard. Um, But that's one of the that's one of the big ones, really, I guess, is the change in the ways that people have worked and and traveled in the last few years. Right. So
2: what are the kind of challenges that face you in your role?
5: Yeah. So um, even in larger companies, folks don't necessarily understand, um, you know, where UX fits, uh, uh, in an ideal way. So there's the challenge of educating on UX and then there's the challenge of educating on different, for me, from a research perspective, there's the challenge of educating on which methodologies fit at which time. Um, you know, when, when is the right time to do sort of a diary study? When is the right time to, uh, uh, work on more foundational work? Or when is the right time to even pull research in? And obviously for me, short answer is all the time. So re- pull research in at every stage of the process. Uh, so it's, it's a lot of those kind of questions where, that come with um, the territory of being
3: in the US space.
2: Right. And what inspires you and excites you about the work you do?
3: I think uh, for me, so I studied psychology and um, I always wanted to work um, in a field that deals closely with people, um, but more of in a yeah, business environment, um, I would say. So for me, it's exciting to kind of be the voice of the customer. It's exciting for me to kind of take a step back. And even though we're all experts in that field, to kind of have a look at the the real experts, I almost want to call it, which are the end users and Mm -hmm. um, to kind of yeah, amplify those voices. And I think for me in the end, uh, what I I haven't been, uh, I haven't finished studying for super long, only three years. But in the three years that I've been uh, working full time, uh, what excites me is to see when I have conducted research, I presented the insights and then I see a product based around that. And the product is working because it's based on Customer voice, and uh, we're actually building something that is valuable for for the for those people. So,
2: and how, in your view, can can digital teams, can product teams ensure they're having the greatest impact on the users? And obviously, typically, we're talking about external users, but as we've heard in this conference, obviously, the business user and the business needs are very important as well.
4: Well, I think I mean the biggest thing for me, I mean, is ensuring that you you have that understanding. And I think for that, it's really making sure that um, user research and user understanding is a really key a key part of your um, processes because um, everyone talks about this. I mean, there's almost no no organisation that <laughs> would sort of it, even a few years ago I could work in places where you work with people who say oh, I don't believe in UX, and that's I think that that's pretty much died out. I think everyone would uh, say it's important, but then are they actually doing it? Like sort yeah, of, yeah, there's sort of there's so many teams and so many companies where they say it's important, but then how often are they actually testing? How often are they actually interacting and speaking with their users? So that that was really like a key focus, one of the key focuses in our um, sort of design and product design strategy since I started at is actually building that up. And so sort of year to year, we looked at us sort of the last two, five, eight, we've increased our, our amount of user research we're conducting by 1300%. So in terms of, so 13-fold increase in the number of um, research studies we've completed year on year, year, which obviously that's just sort of output, but it just means that we have a vast amount of information, knowledge, insights from our users, sort of both customers, we we always talk talk about sort of on on the sort of B2C consumer side, we always talk about candidates, and then on um, the B2B side, we call them customers, kind of confusing because they're all kind of customers in a sense, but that's sort of how we delineate in our, our business but we now have so much information and we can kind of confidently say that all our big product decisions now are being based on sort of user data and understanding right we're not sort of we're not we're not making blind assumptions anymore we're right. learning all the time each right. product team is sort of is testing sort of speaking speaking to their their users at least once a month usually more than that using yes. sort of a range of um methodologies I think that's the key that's the key thing like I think if you you know you have to get that right first if you're not constantly communicating constantly understanding speaking to your users then you know you, you can't be practicing user experience yeah yeah
2: that's a huge increase that's that's really gratifying to, to hear it, it. It's, it's good to.
4: And, it, and it's really coming down I mean the discipline we, we got to and I sort of worked with the researchers to get to a, a kind of a rolling um, a rolling system is like we test every week yeah. essentially and so right. we have sort of a rough kind of calendar with the different teams, so that teams kind of know that you know, in a in a, in a normal month where where something strange hasn't happened, this is the week of that month you'll be testing. Yeah. And so, um, and that kind of discipline just just worked. I, I, when we implemented this, I was kind of curious about whether it would work, and it did. Everyone just kind of got into this in this pattern. Obviously, people are swapping things around, and you know, they might have something urgent to do, so they swap with another one. But essentially, we um, we are testing every week, and then that sort of when you look at that over a year it's a huge amount of research mm. you've conducted
2: so how does that work then a typical week you're you're in you know planning the research conducting the research analyzing it and yeah. sort of sharing those insights all within kind of five working days well we try this is in like it's set up so the the
4: the kind of the the plan is it should all be possible say within a two week sprint yeah so sort of we we have we're aware of something we want to do a problem um, we can sort of quickly sort of mobilize um, conduct some research analyzing insights sort of design and then implement that's that's kind of the the plan and we are set up to be able to do that in reality I mean the business doesn't move that fast right. so it's very uh, it's very rare that that we haven't ever had to move that fast and we're still i don't think that's going to happen so in general sort of the um, research is sort of conducted within a two like we will sort of um, Conduct research within within a week, yep. obviously. Uh, so we usually analyse it within that same week. And then the designs are usually worked on the next week. And then um, after that, it will then sort of filter through to development. So our development timelines, unfortunately, aren't, aren't moving as fast. But they're right. getting faster all the time. We're getting better and better. Uh, but essentially, we've kind of planned it so that we're we're always sort of planning ahead with our research. So we're conducting, a, we, we're sort of, we're very lucky. We um, read, obviously, because our business is a job board, we have a huge um number of users particularly on the candidate side so we conduct all our own recruitment for um, is right. research right. and we can just be constantly doing that that's always ticking away in the background so right. whenever we need to research we can just quickly um, contact contact people there's a large number so we can kind of we can be quite sure that we're not using the same people all the time yep. um, and we can quickly access sort of the, the people that we need and test with them
2: Kind of how, in your view, can uh, product teams, digital teams kind of ensure that they're having the maximum impact on the users they're building for?
6: That's a tough question. I mean, it depends a lot on what the company is, what the challenge they're facing is, um, you know, knowing what, when you say impact, like what that really means. Does it mm-hmm. mean that their experience is easier? Does it mean that they, if you're a business that, you know, doesn't have customers, is it about getting customers? Is it about changing a behavior in the world? Is it about... Uh, you know, are you talking about politics? Are you talking about, um, you, know, arch- you know, architecture, agriculture? Like that's, you know, it's, it's almost a bit too broad to have like a generic answer for, but, uh, but maybe there's a through line somewhere of like, are you remaining curious? Are you challenging the why behind your work? Are you up leveling it to understand the, you know, the value of what you're doing? And so if you're a designer in a company and you don't know the value of the company and what it's doing in the world, and you're not questioning what it's trying to achieve and if that's good in the world... Uh, then I would say that would be a good place to start is kind of know the why of of the work that you're doing um, so that you can influence it.
2: Obviously, you're across multiple markets. You said, how do you conduct, for example, user research? How do you get insights from
1: users who are sort of globally or European displaced? Yeah, well, in a number of ways, I suppose, as, as many people might have said, I mean, we were talking today in the panel talk about the various types of research that are undertaken and how they are aggregated and and, and also consumed. Um, obviously given the last few years, we've done a lot more remote stuff. Um, we have an amazing data science team which gives us insights both from the data we're allowed to collect and also transit data, you know, the, the stuff that isn't kind of secure from the government that we're able to use to learn more about behaviors and booking. So in terms of how we conduct the research, it's changed a lot from you know the last few years. We've we've gained much more um, insights based on remote work. Um, we've when we conduct like new market research um, in in a, you know in a new audience, something like growing into the Italian market, we've you know taken huge steps to make sure that we we understand the voice of the customer and and the kind of the life cycle of how they're going to use the product. So to that end, we've used um, video diary studies and actually had weekly check-ins with customers to make sure that, you know, we can understand their pain points in their weekly journey. They can tell us about their booking, you know, patterns, their booking habits, and learn how we can evolve a product over time to kind of meet those needs. Um, That has been coupled with market research as well, of course, um, and learning a little bit more about each locale some of which we conduct with third-party companies who are more centred on, you know, in those markets. Um, And then it all gets subsumed back to the, 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 you know, the the research group who who can then disseminate it to the team. Right.
2: So I was going to ask you how you plan to put into practice, you know, you and your team, what you've taken away from this, you Mm. know, when you get back to to the day-to-day job and kind of implementing some of those kind of new skills and, and learnings. Yeah,
4: well, I think, I mean, I, I guess the the first thing is really just, I think, um, I guess, sort of digesting and sharing all the learning. So um, myself and my team, everyone's under strict instructions to be taking lots of notes because um, we'll certainly be, we'll be doing some um, big presentations across the business. There's already people before we went uh, asking for this. So we'll be trying to share as much all the relevant insights that we've learned, sort of share them widely across our product and then sort of wider Wider business, um, and then yeah, I think once we've assessed those, then we'll work out how we can actually implement. As I said, like certainly with some of the talks already, I can sort of see some insights that are really help us shape our um, shape our work, and I'm expecting to be more as well.
3: So um, definitely going to have a share back with uh, my team that's already planned. Um, so I'm going to put together a couple of slides and. Uh, yeah, synthesize a little bit with the rest of the team on what we can do and what we can apply and what makes sense, also from like a strategic perspective, higher up. Um, But for me, myself, I'm just hoping, um, because I am at an early stage of my career to just get inspired to see what are the newest trends? Is there something that I haven't really thought of before? Are there different ways of working, different ways of communicating, conducting research, anything that kind of helps me in my day-to-day process. And then I think afterwards, for me, it's like a trial and error, see what works, when and with who and how, and just to see how that goes.
2: And in terms of kind of taking back to to Square, to the Bay Area, things that you've learned and seen and, and heard here, what what's your, how do you sort of plan to do that?
5: Continuing to really be that sort of that voice for the user, I think that's, that's, that's so important. And sometimes I forget how much value we have for a company. Um, and so, I think just being around folks who kind of have that similar perspective has kind of you know remotivated me um, to be that voice for the user. Uh, and so, I think that's one of the things. I think it's just motivation. It's it's been a great motivation to me to see other folks in kind of a similar space. Uh, So yeah, I think that's so far, it's it's still very early in the conference, so I'm sure I'll be learning many more tidbits to kind of take back with me.
2: Absolutely. And I was going to ask you how you plan to put into practice any of the sort of techniques or insights that you've gathered in the last couple of days. So I will do what
0: uh, we as a company always try to do when we come back from a conference. So I will spend some time with my team, with other researchers, take them through high level things that I think were interesting and sorts of takeaways. I will definitely go back to some of the product managers that I work in partnerships slightly more closely with Mm. and talk them through some of these conversations we've had about risk and balancing all the different sort of uh, data points that can come into decision-making, maybe opening myself up to be less user-focused and more aware that there are other inputs of data that you need to put in. To make a decision, I was aware of them, but I'm less in that conversation. I tend to be, "Hey, here's the user. What yeah. about the user. Worry about this." Yeah. I'd like it to be more of a conversation over mm-hmm. the next sort of few months or
2: so. Right. And what about the future of research and user research specifically? So, kind of, where do you see? Obviously, there's you know AI, there's Web three, there's all sorts of things approaching rapidly on the horizon. How will our role as user researchers change or evolve? Uh, do you think?
3: Um, I'm not sure so much about technology, but um, I do think that more and more companies, I saw it uh, in Berlin as well, Berlin has a huge startup scene. And um, in the beginning, you saw only big companies kind of hired UX researchers and only tech companies hired UX researchers. And now I feel like we're spreading more across different fields. I mean, I work in a marketing department now. I don't think that's the norm either. So um, I kind of just see it growing. I feel like it's still niche, and um, there's not that many people out there that do UX research or UX design as maybe like uh, product managers. Mm. So I just see it spreading across different fields and probably like way more use cases than we have right now. So that there is really in the end probably going to be researchers in all kinds of different departments, designers in different departments that are at the moment maybe not really um, yeah on the. On the horizon yet and then based on that i don't know i do assume new technology is going to develop but um yeah i just see the field in general really growing and more and more companies which is exciting um seeing that there is a big value in hiring a researcher at an early stage and not once you're like at a large scale already so
2: Final question, Mike. How do you see your role and the role of your team kind of changing and evolving over the coming years as, as the approach to digital design, product design evolves?
4: Well, I think that we've kind of, um, as I said, we've made a lot of really positive changes. We've got to a good point. So that, at the moment, it wasn't the case when I started, but now I'd say that we're, we're you know, quite mature in terms of our um, user understanding and research. We've got to a point where uh, our product designers, we, you know, we we're working within we've got the setup for empowered product teams so we have sort of for each of our products we have um, a product designer in each product um you know the dream is to have uh, every single product team having only one um product designer there are a couple which are very um very linked where we have sort of one product designer traveling two teams but that seems to work for now um i think that we can kind of Expand sort of further in that direction, but um, well, I think our big, our sort of big short-term focus is actually on the other side. So, um, actually, really uh, bringing our design system up to sort of a, a high-class standard, so we can really be um, moving faster and automating on the sort of UI side. Because I think right. we've got to really, we've got to a really good level on the UX side. We're now trying to bring that up on the UI side. That's kind of the focus focus for now. Longer term, I think it's just really helping the um, helping the business. Um, as we've kind of talked about today, sort of get becoming much more involved in the strategy and sort of, sort of get helping the, the business become a much more mature product organization? It's a
0: really interesting question. And I think it's gonna become more and more relevant in a world where sort of companies are spawning up all the time, people are developing new things that they want to push out to customers. Um, one of the panels just now was talking about the fact that companies that push just for the bottom line don't tend to survive. Companies that push for the customer tend to survive. I think we'll see even more of a push in that mindset towards being user centric, being customer centric, uh, which is great because as a researcher, that's our role to bring that voice of the user and put it into those right kind of discussions. So I think I don't see too much changing in terms of the day to day necessarily, but in terms of the seat at the table or having to fight slightly, work uh, the fight slightly less to be kind of forefront. To help me make some of those decisions,
6: design. You know, maybe if this conference were happening five or ten years ago, we would be all kind of talking about, oh, you know, do we have a seat at the table? Do people know what we do? And I think to some extent, you know, there's still some of that at some companies. But you know, in one of the panels I just did, there was a CEO in the audience who raised his hand and said, you know, I'm so excited to have design. Uh, We need to hire our first designer. What do we do? How do we do this? That question might not have happened five years ago, ten years ago, from from someone in the audience. Like it's it's kind of cool to see the shift where people are actually engaged and interested in uh, proactively, not just reactively, um, you know, in, in understanding the function better and making better use of it. And so, I think that they're you know, the temperature has changed a bit through nature of a lot of these companies, uh, hopefully Figma included, uh, inspiring others to uh, to want to build better products and higher quality products and uh, and change the way that they're thinking about building them. So yeah, there's just been a nice range uh, in in those conversations that leads me to feel that there's a lot more kind of buy-in and excitement now than there was you know five ten years ago. And
2: what about the future of of your role or you know user research more broadly? How do you see the discipline evolving?
5: I see it. I see it growing in the sense where we're work sort of at the same, same level or same kind of ratio as design right now. It's generally, that's generally not the case. There's always more designers than researchers. And I think um, I, I see research growing um, and being sort of, although still under design because there's still like a lot of, um, you know, a lot of ways for us to collaborate I see research growing in the sense that like there are there's a larger headcount where where there is a dedicated researcher for each product area so that they can kind of focus in
6: conferences are actually kind of um, a good place to do that kind of reflection um, because I think you know a lot of times um, you know you might be at a company where you're not necessarily being asked to look five years ahead or 10 years ahead. You know, Figma being a company so deeply involved in design, we sort of have a responsibility to think about the future of design. Uh, and maybe for a second, I'll separate you know, any possible you know, company perspectives from, from sort of uh, anything that I'm you know, noticing in this conference or things that I'm learning and excited about and just speak personally. Um, and speaking personally, personally, I'm, I'm really interested lately in AI, to be honest. I'm, I'm interested in the rapid pace of development um, of these tools. Um, you know, Stable Diffusion, Dolly, they're all kind of, there are new products almost every day coming out built on these technologies. And I think what's interesting is that over the course of time, over the last even five, 10 years, and when a new technology comes out, design comes in and has to figure out what do we do with it? What do, What's the product need behind this new technology? Uh, and I don't actually see that as necessarily like a problem to have businesses or moments that don't have a, a problem yet or don't have a, you know, They're not really clear yet what it's trying to to solve. But yet there's this opportunity you know is kind of there and in front of you in this capability. It's it's almost like if you were to have discovered a new tool in the woods in, in the way, way long ago. Uh, and maybe eventually there actually were purposes that were really useful for that tool. And so with AI specifically, there's obviously massive questions for the future of how we work um, and the ways that we might expect to work. Um, you know, and I think you're going to find people who are super skeptical or angry or sad or things like, oh my God, we won't have jobs anymore. People will just talk into their phone and then an apple come out. Um, but you also have people that recognize and see the trend that technology is usually trying to remove redundancies, make things that are difficult, that don't need to be difficult, easier. Uh, you know, the pixel work we do as designers has never been the important work, right? Like the, you know, knowing every single, you know, how to draw rectangles in a very specific way. I don't think it should be the case that, uh, only a few people trained in design over 20 years can do it. Um, I think instead you, you actually want anyone to be able to make something to solve a problem if they can, uh, can build and learn from that so the, the important parts of the function have always been the product thinking, the strategy that, you know, um, of course, I don't mean to demean execution. Execution matters a ton. It has to be good. But if there are ways that technologies can make good easier for us to build and then we can actually get to the root of, are we solving the right problems and what are we building for and what's the most important place to direct our attention? Uh, the ethics of things I think is hugely important, especially with AI and new technologies that challenge that. Uh, I think there's just a lot that we have to figure out. Um, and uh, But I still remain like super optimistic and curious about what it will do to our tools, where we'll be spending time five, 10 years from now. Um, these are just definitely really interesting themes that I personally get excited to think about.
2: Thanks for listening to the Understanding Users podcast and special thanks to my guests, Vanessa Sauer, Mike Brown, Dua Gatani, Noah Levin, AJ King, and Ashley May. If you enjoyed what you heard, do please like or comment wherever you're listening and feel free to share this episode more widely. And feel free, of course, to drop me a line with any feedback via LinkedIn or my website, researchable.uk. Links are in the show notes. Join me again next time when I'll be talking to more experienced UX professionals and asking them to share their wisdom, tips and knowledge with me. Until then, stay safe, stay user-centered.